Welcome to Zen of Business. My name is Shamash. And my name's Yvonne. Zen of Business is about inspiring you to bring more awareness, kindness and wisdom to you, your business and the world. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Now that's a big statement. (laughs) So uh, this little podcast episode is a unique one because of, uh, I think Yvonne and I are going to just talk about what, how we came about this. And actually, what Zen of Business really means to us and why we're doing this. Yeah. Uh, it should be interesting. Any, do you want to start off with any, any thoughts about what... Because I think you came up with this concept first of all, actually. So do you want Indeed, to say a little bit about yes. how, that, how that came about? Well, I, I look back on my business life now after 40 years and wonder, how do I come to be at this point? And I would say that in my early business life, I was very driven. I wanted to succeed and I... I wanted to prove myself as an artist, I was a textile designer, and I don't think I really understood the toll that would take on my mental health, and I think I burnt myself out very quickly, partly because I had two children, and it was very stressful. So about 20 years ago, I heard this, um, uh, or I think I read a book initially of Thich Nhat Hanh, who's a Zen master from Vietnam, um, and what he wrote was a book called The Miracle of Mindfulness. And it suddenly made so much sense to me. Mm. Actually, you can do your work, you can do your business in a totally different way. You can really respect yourself, be kind to yourself, be kind to your clients. Um, you can gain insight into who you are, what's going on in your life. Mm. And I thought, this is something I've got to really integrate into my whole life. And that's how I came to understand Zen. I was already in business. Okay. And then somehow, over the last 20 years, that seems to have merged more and more. I'll tell you more later. So it was 20 years ago that you first came across the concept of I mindfulness did. and Zen? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Through Thich Nhat Hanh. Yeah, indeed. It's probably one of the most famous mindfulness or Zen teachers in the world, right? Yeah, indeed. Okay. And so did you kind of get more and more into his teachings at that time? Well, yes. I mean, I, I attended... Um, small groups called sanghas. I read lots and we were beginning to get things online, you know, we're beginning to have podcasts or probably not podcasts, probably um, videos on YouTube. And I just resonated with the the gentleness of this man. But also what he said was very common sense. It wasn't some pie in the sky, you know, big religious thing. It was about actually mindfulness is being aware aware of yourself aware of your actions Mm -hmm. and about this time I stopped actually being a designer and I started working as an advisor to other businesses so I had to spend a lot of time really listening deeply Mm -hmm. to the incoming messages from these businesses Mm -hmm. so what I found was very quickly all the stuff that I was doing for myself on my own mental health was coming into the way that I work with my clients. And that was such an awakening. Wow. So um, you learn about mindfulness and you're practicing mindfulness and Zen within yourself. And then you have these coaching, these clients in front of you Mm. with all sorts of different challenges. Yes, indeed. And so you say that you you brought in this deep listening so you're mm. really really present and i've spoken to some of your clients and they say that's a, that's a strength of yours actually yeah. so you're not just saying that but you bring this strength of presence to them but then is that it uh, or do you share some of the tools as well how how do you how do you bring the zen or mindfulness or or infuse the business with that philosophy 
Well, I think what's interesting is that I have never particularly pushed this way of thinking or being towards my clients, but it's very interesting that my clients very often ask me, how come do you have this insight into things? And yes, I'm experienced, and yes, I've been in business a long time, but I think what happens is the stiller you are on the inside, the more insight that you get. And with insight, I hope that I bring wisdom to the pertaining issues that these clients bring to me. And I think what's happened over the years is that the more you hear of uh, incoming information or issues, the more you can reflect on other things you've learned before, you've heard before, and very kindly you can go to that resource and offer it back to that client. Mm. And I think one of the things that I really, really want to be for my clients, I want to be kind, I want to be compassionate, because I'm actually equally interested in the people who run the business as the business itself. And many of the guests we're going to have on this podcast will be people I've worked with, and we've walked a journey together. Sometimes they may have started in a very distressed state, and we've managed to bring wisdom and business processes into play. But sometimes we've just been able to talk about how to manage themselves better. Mm. Um, Yes, many of them are very interested in mindfulness meditation. And of course, funnily enough, Shamash, how I came to know you was through your wonderful book um, in the For Dummies series, which which is such a classic now, Mm. uh, The Mindfulness for Dummies. And I have probably given that link to so many of my clients here, this is somebody's book I really think you might find helpful. Partly because it doesn't take mindfulness in such a deeply serious way, it's very serious, but it it brings such joy to it. And and I think when I actually met you on a retreat, I thought, this is so brilliant. I've actually met somebody whose book I've been recommending for all these years. Yeah, yeah, nice synchronicity that was. Very well. And a nice location to meet as well on a retreat. It was, yeah. So do you want to tell us, also tell our listeners a bit yeah. more how you came to write that book and how you came to get into all this? Because of course you were a scientist originally. Yeah, so I studied engineering at university, but simply fell into it. So there was no conscious thought about I'm doing something to kind of make the world a better place. So I fell into science and studying science and engineering. And when I tried it as a, as a job in the summer, it just it just hated it. In fact, I used to swipe in and out of the... You know, for for the amount of time I was in the workplace, and so they were tracking how my, how long my lunch breaks were. They were so long, I got a negative <laughs> paycheck by the time. <laughs> we will give you this month minus two hundred and twenty-seven pounds. I'm like, this is not sort of business at all. <laughs> or maybe it is. It's very zen. You get zero. I suppose zero paycheck might be very zen. Anyway. Um, so I, I came across, I was on the underground and I saw a poster for a philosophy class. And in that philosophy class, there was a little mindfulness meditation that they guide us in for five minutes. And it was at that point when I did that practice, it became clear to me what the meaning of my life was, what was so important, why, why I loved that experience so much. I wanted to share it with someone. I was really frustrated that I'm, I'm so old, I'm age 20 and now I'm learning <laughs> mindfulness. <laughs> I wish I learned this when I was one. So yeah, so that was where that was my the Zen aspect of the Zen business. In yeah. that. I, that was really my passion. And yeah. I, I was actually became a school teacher before I I started it as a inverted commas business. Yeah, yeah. So that's my journey. And but it's interesting, isn't it? Because the Buddha was a very um, 
practical sort of a person. He, mm. see, he said to people, examine things properly mm. and see if it agrees with you. Yeah. And I think as a scientist, you probably brought quite a lot of in-depth thinking to mm. this mm. sort of mindfulness world that you're now in. Yeah. And obviously, there's something about the way that you understand the world that's, that, that's allowed you to develop these particular courses that you're running so that they're easy to learn for people. What yeah, do you no, think? Yeah, no, that's really interesting. I'm just thinking also one of my favourite um, mindfulness teachers, meditation teachers, is Ajahn Brahm, and he actually studied theoretical physics at Cambridge. Indeed. So it's so funny how people who... I, I think I think whether you're a scientist or you know a philosopher, I think in some ways you're both in search of the same thing, yeah. truth. Yeah, yeah. And I search for truth from the angle of the material world because mm-hmm. I believe that's all I believe there was reality. Mm-hmm. And so I searched down that route as far as I could, and it felt very empty. Ultimately, we were mm-hmm. all just atoms knocking around each other. And I remember one moment at university when my friend was just looking at the sky and we we're literally looking at the moon and the stars. He said. Do you think this is all random? All that's happening is does it all feel like like I'm a human being, you're a human? Does it all feel like just atoms and molecules that have created this seeming intelligence in the universe? And I was like, you're absolutely right. Actually, there's so much order in the universe. Yeah. So where has that sense of order come from? And that became that that got me interested in philosophy and like you know, okay, we've got all this science and this material world, but actually. There's certainly something like even even from a scientific perspective, we have laws of nature, laws of physics. Mm. Where are those laws of physics? I mean, it's almost an impossible question to answer. They seem mm. to be everywhere. Mm. Who you know who created them? Does it have a creator? Why are these laws of of of, of physics even exist? Mm. Laws of science, laws of nature. So there is an order to the universe, and it follows certain principles. And so I became much more interested then in philosophy and in things. And then when I experienced meditation, mindfulness, and I learned about the concept of consciousness, which I've never heard of in any physics lecture before. But consciousness is a real thing; it's a real experience that we all have. And so I started. I started searching on that route, and then I applied my passion for science into my passion for for philosophy and um, meditation and and eastern thinking Mm. and sort of interestingly we're sitting here and we've both got very interesting parentage haven't we um i've got the parentage of my mother coming from um western europe from a catholic background my father coming from eastern europe who who was a jewish man your family coming from? From East Africa. So, yeah, my mum was mainly brought up in Zanzibar in East Africa. My dad was brought up with nine, uh, no, six brothers and one sister on a farm in Dar es Salaam mm-hmm. in Tanzania. And, uh, yeah, so one of them had more of a Hindu background, actually. And the other one had more of an Ismaili, so kind mm. of more influence from a Muslim background. Yeah. And they both got married in secret. Yeah. <laughs> so they didn't tell their parents at yeah. the time. Um, but luckily, both parents accepted it when they did find out. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's so, a bit yeah. similar for my parents because I think what, what, what I'm sort of feeling here is that with all these many, many sort of faiths behind us, mm. between us, what's wonderful about the world that we've sort of come into together that is a middle path. Yeah. And it's a path that, that accepts all differences and embraces them and celebrates them. Mm. And I think what we've found out working together is how much fun and how much joy there is yes. when we start talking about all the things we've learned on our various journeys yeah. and how we can help people with those things. And um, I think what I reflect upon now as I'm 
said in my 60s is that it's a it's a never-ending learning and it's a never-ending embracing as you listen to people and they tell you things of their experience and you are able to integrate it. It sort of mm. opens you more and more and more. Mm. And I think one of the things that we are doing in this podcast is really bringing to our listeners lots and lots and lots of different stories. Mm. And I think what we're trying to do is to, to, to show how inspiring people are, how mm. inspiring it is when people get hold of their lives and create something of benefit mm. to the world. Yeah. Of course, there's a personal benefit because they've got to do it and they maybe earn their living from it. But I think the more we talk to each other, we realise that um, there is so much good out there mm. And uh, we're hoping this podcast is going to tell people lots of good and inspiring stories because we've both been very inspired, haven't we? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one question that comes to mind is uh, you're a very experienced business coach. You worked with Business Link originally, did, which is part yes. of the government movement. And you're one of the first creative business coaches. Is that yeah, right? Yes, for the, right. For the creative. And so you've probably coached, I think you don't know, but thousands, potentially. Probably, Probably yes. thousands of businesses. <laughs> So what do you think are the kind of the main issues that, is, is there two or three main ones that tend to come up again and again, or are they very different? And then maybe just talk a little bit about the Zen of Business slant on that mm. as well. I think it's very interesting when you look back on a career. And um, when I joined Business Link, I'd been um, running my own business, my own creative business as a textile designer for certainly 18 years. I'd also taught for many, many years and managed art school departments. And um, I came to the world of Business Link offering quite a diverse set of skills. But one of the things I knew about myself was that not only did I know how to make money from selling creativity, which a lot of people would say is quite tricky, mm. but I also had a real interest and passion for people. And when I was managing large teams, certainly I was in the art school system, it was the people delivering the service to our students and to our college that really interested me. And so no matter what issue would come in to our sort of business coaching model that we had at Business Link, there nearly always were some issues with people. Because, you know, it's easy to fix a business plan by changing the numbers around a little bit. It's easier to sort of go and get a designer to come and sort out your branding and, um, you know, make things look a bit smarter and do some better marketing. But actually, the really tricky problems in business are nearly always to do with people. Mm -hmm. Because most people, I think, are actually well-meaning. Mm -hmm. And when they've got a business problem, and it's because the humans are involved, they really want to find a good, honourable way to deal with that problem. So although they might present to me and hope I need to make more money, yeah. yes, we might have to sort a few things out in the structure of that business, but often it's the people that they're with that have to help them do that that's the issue. And when we sort of get down to it, it's the people issues that we really have to look at. And that's really where I think when I reflect upon it now, that the Zen element mm. really comes into play because when you reflect on your own situation, the stories you tell yourself in your head and the stories other people might be saying about you that you think are in your head, 
then you have to really reflect, is this really true or not? And sometimes when I'm dealing with a quite a thorny problem, I just sit and listen to everybody's angle on the story. And I take a few notes and I think, "Mm mm-hmm, yes, I can see it from that point of view, I can see it from that point of view. Now, what do I think is a possible solution to this? And so, yes, I'm an expert in branding and marketing, Yes, I am quite experienced in developing business plans and organising the numbers, but the um, kindness, the wisdom, the um, the thinking about how can we make all this better nearly always starts with who are the players, who are the people in the business that we need to look after now? Or maybe sometimes we have to sort of give a little bit of direction, we might have to, I'm going to say tell them off, but we might have to steer them a little bit. <laughs> and often, I suppose, one of the big issues is that how do we lead a business better? Hmm. And, uh, you know, that's that's where I think things have come. And I think this sort of, this element of self-leadership really comes to play here, which is something you know quite a lot about. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Uh, the, the kind of the aspect of self leadership that I'm most interested in actually is uh, the self compassion, mm-hmm. and so one of the things that I think we're both very interested in is bringing bring up the concepts of kindfulness. Yes, indeed. On this podcast, and yeah. uh, we thought about putting it as the as as part of the one liner for Zen of Business, yeah. and then I was arguing, you know, well, people don't know what kindfulness means, yeah. and you're like, well, we need to make sure people find out. Yeah, what. <laughs> but uh, kindfulness is originally a concept that. Uh, Ajahn Brahm kind of labelled, but actually, if you look back to the core meaning of the word mindfulness, and if you look at it in the Chinese or Japanese character, yeah. it's got a hat which represents the sense of presence or now or protection, yeah. and then underneath there's an image which kind of is like an image of a heart, which represents yeah. heartfulness or kindfulness. And in the East, the word for mind and heart are kind of joined together; mm-hmm. they're used interchangeably. It's like mind heart, so they're not really referring to mindfulness in the sense of being more concentrated or present. And we, we hear the word mindfulness banded about a lot nowadays. Mm. But actually, a much better translation, I would argue, is mind, is kindfulness or heartfulness. Yeah. And so uh, if people are starting to cultivate more kindfulness in their lives, the idea is to actually bring, first of all, it starts with themselves. So first of all, paying attention, there's the mindful element tuning into bodily sensations because our bodily sensations are like a roadmap for our emotional Mm -hmm. state which is linked to our thought state which is linked to the stories that you were talking about and then checking in there and then applying the sense of kindness and compassion and there's many ways of doing that but one of the best ways is through actually making the time to actually practice that and so you know you're asking me about this concept of self-leadership Well, that starts, first of all, with a sense of Mm self-awareness. And then from that awareness, becoming aware of our emotional state and being able to heal that in a way. Because if if you're saying that with all these businesses you've worked with, the biggest challenge is people. So I would assume it's the the challenges, people not understanding each other or not meeting in a compassionate way. So you've got two different stories that people are absolutely holding on to as truth. And there's a clash. Or there's an emotion that comes up. One person shares a story like, well, I don't think you're putting enough work in. Immediately, there'd be an emotion that comes up and then anger comes out and there's a lack of awareness of that. Mm -hmm. And so that can lead to so many different problems. So I would argue that through practicing mindfulness and through practicing self-kindness, 
we're able to notice those emotions come up and to meet them and to, in a sense, heal them, ease them, soothe them, and actually realize that this emotional in the first place is due to a attachment to a certain story, like the story that's popped up in your head. Yes. yes. You absolutely think it's true. Mm. And can you be absolutely sure it's true? <laughs> Usually not. Yeah, yeah. And so you start, so you start to to kind of question your own idea. And I think that's part of self leadership to be aware of these stories that we have that we think are absolutely true. Yeah. And say, hey, okay, this is my idea, but there's anger arising or frustration arising, which which is a sign that I'm holding on to, I'm grasping yeah. onto something yeah. perhaps a little bit too tightly, more than needs to be necessary. And this is the cause ultimately of war and violence and all sorts of other yeah. things. Yeah. So it's inside me and that's a reflection of what's happening in the world around us. So let me start with myself. And yeah. so I think leadership would, you know, I would argue starts with self, self-leadership self and that self-leadership starts with self-awareness and self-kindness. I think that is so interesting because, you know, business... When I first started talking about the Zen of business to people, people go, oh, that's a bit of an oxymoron. <laughs> that's a bit, how can you have Zen yeah. and business? People say, well, I'm not very Zen. But actually, the more we examine this concept together, the more we realise that actually it's what most people want. They want to earn an honest living. Yes, there are always going to be people who are very avaricious and greedy, but most people in my estimation, in my experience, that they just want to do a really good job. They want to perhaps, you know, do something that's very meaningful or something they're very passionate about. Um, And they want to do it with others because Mm. when you've got others, you've got community. Mm. And a business, in a way, is a bit like a family and a community. Mm. So when things go wrong in a family, Mm. you obviously don't like that so you want to sort it out and I often say to people well let's just start with where we are because starting where we are and we sort of think about well what what's what's the actual situation but what's going on inside me and and some of the practices that you teach and some of the practices that I love to do really help us to get a sense of what's going on in me and then once you've understood that then you can go so now with compassion, how can I understand what's going on in this other person? Mm-hmm. And what I find is that when I coach people into how to perhaps speak to each other differently, how to act with each other differently, all of a sudden some of those great big business problems that might have been huge as an elephant in the room aren't as big as everybody thought they are. And then we can do some practical stuff because the Zen of business is also very, very practical. And... Um, I think uh, one of the things that I always like to say to clients is, let's get up in a helicopter. Let's just look down upon this business and see what all the things are that are going on. And when we do that, we then get another dose of a sort of a realistic appraisal rather than being in amongst all the problems and feeling stress. If we sort of descend or we could have a nice hot air balloon even more calming look down it and we begin to see the patterns that are in a business and then we can add this sort of you know gentle mind to it this sort of quieter mind again okay so here's the presenting issues let's now really do creative stuff with that and let's see if we can find together a solution and i think that's become part of our zen of business way of working is that 
we work collaboratively. Now, I really want to ask you a quick question, Shamash, because we're sitting recording these things and the, the Zen of Business podcast comes from our wonderful organisation called the Museum of Happiness, which you'll all have to visit in Camden if you're passing. But Shamash, tell us how you came to do this thing, because this really excites me. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so we're actually sitting in the meditation room, which is uh, uh, soundproofed for, for meditation and, and naps, which we call meditation. And uh, because it's soundproof, we decided to record it here. And it's part of, part of a larger space here in Arlington House, which is part of a housing association. And uh, yeah, we've well, I, I started this project with a co-founder called Vicky. So I'll just share the story briefly. Um, we, I, I was a mindfulness and still am a mindfulness teacher. And I, I happened to meet with my co-founder, Vicky, just uh, a person who I didn't know at all. And we got chatting because we both grabbed the same carrot and we just ended up having a conversation. And she'd been studying some NLP and she just heard about mindfulness. And um, and then she asked me what I did. And I said that, you know, I, I do teach mindfulness. I'm teaching a retreat in the Morocco in a few days. And she was very interested straight away in learning mindfulness from me. And in fact, coming on the retreat. So she came along on the retreat. She found it a transformational experience over those few days that we were together. Um, I remember she was sleeping a lot more than usual. She looked more and more fresh as the days went by. And so she knew that she wanted to work with me and she kept kind of meeting up with me and we kept having conversations about how we could do a new project together because she was a youth worker, actually. And uh, we were both members of Action for Happiness, which is mm. a worldwide movement, which actually brings in a lot of mindfulness and compassion practices. And they're trying to spread it around the world to actually create a positive change in society. And I, as a mindfulness teacher, was thinking, what would be a good way of actually spreading this concept more? Because it's really, really fantastic. But your average, average Joe Bloggs type person wouldn't really be into it. And uh, lots of kind of accidents happened. But one thing is I saw a bus advertising a famous fizzy drink saying, share happiness. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so this is one of the top marketing companies in the world. And you're using the word happiness for something that I would argue doesn't actually directly lead to happiness and so I thought maybe we can use the word happiness in a way to spread things like mindfulness and compassion and creativity and community and self-compassion and all these things that could be an overall and then uh and and Vicky kind of started having the same idea and I met someone who runs the museum of nonsense the, the nonsia oh. <laughs> which has been running for 10-15 years yeah. very very successful and then I just kind of, we kind of, or we just put the two ideas together. So why not a museum to explore the art and science of happiness? So that's where that idea came about. And we started doing small events in London, hiring spaces. And then the story goes that we did one event that went viral on Facebook. Rather than having the 20 or 30 people we normally get, we had 10,000 registrations and a million views on Facebook. And we had this huge three-day event. And... Um, that led to us starting a, a small Museum of Happiness in East London, where we tested the this, this space as a permanent home. And now we're in part of the UK's biggest homeless hostel. It's a beautiful building, Arlington House, with a lovely history. The person who first bought this building, I don't know, it was 100 or 200 years ago, he bought it as a space for people to have affordable housing. And it's listed for that reason. Mm. So although it's in the heart of London in a way, yeah. it's a space that's used by people who used to be homeless or on very low income, they were able to live here with all sorts of mental and emotional challenges. And in fact, the reason why they invited us to move here is because of our co-founders, Vicky and Rosa, when they taught a meditation and yoga class, they got such fantastic positive feedback. And some of those guys ended up getting jobs. It was wow. just through the sense of calmness and clarity 
and able to focus. What they didn't need is CV skills or interview skills. What they needed is to learn a way of de- developing the self-leadership we talked yes, about, indeed. being able to manage their, their mind and emotions. So, yeah, that's how we've ended up just a few weeks ago opening the space here. And it is an absolute joy. So to our listeners, we'd say we, we want to hear from you. And uh, if, you're, if you've got issues or questions that you'd like to talk to us about, we're going to um, create a space on our website where you can send those in and we yeah. can uh, address some of those things on our podcast. And we, we want to really share with you the journey and the vision of some of um, our clients, the people we know. And so we are really excited about sharing podcasts with you, sharing other things with you on the website, which will be launching soon. And um, look forward to talking more with you all. Yeah, get in touch. Check out, check us out on social media. You can send an email to us. There'll be a link in, at the bottom of this podcast. And let us know what you think. What does yeah. Zen of Business mean to you? Who would you like us to interview next? Um, yeah, and any questions you have or stories about your own personal business, maybe we could even talk with you. Yes, indeed. So look forward to hearing from you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>